Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, church. Good morning, uh, everybody that's listening in. It's great to uh, be in your living rooms this morning. You know, hopefully last week's message uh, has, has come home. You know, God's saying, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Let it go. Even the good stuff, let it go and move on to a new future. God wants to walk with us in the new and take us into places where we wouldn't have dreamt of going. In fact, we'd be too intimidated to go there. And, you know, lockdown and then coming out of lockdown has caused us to have to go. We have to move. And sometimes it has made the decision for you when you weren't happy in your job. Now your job's gone. And now you have to change your job and you're on your metal and it's hard work. And I want to encourage you to, to keep going. You know, Jesus said his Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. And you say, but I'm not a believer. It doesn't matter. God loves the world. Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit this week, will you lead me and guide me? You know, prove that you're there, Lord. Can you see what I'm saying? God loves a challenge like that. Even in the Bible, it says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got to taste it. You've got to taste. Come and see that the Lord is good. And and, and watch how God works in your life. It's fantastic. Because we're not talking about theories today. We're talking about reality. And, and going back to last week, I was saying that if there's a message coming out of the silence throughout the earth, it says that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Are you ready to meet him? Are you, are you ready for him? You'll know if you are because there'll be an excitement in your heart and you'll know if you're not because there's a dullness going I don't know what you're on about not interested it's fairy it's fairy tales our job is to help people we're preparing like John the Baptist preparing people to meet the king Jesus is the king and John the Baptist said every mountain will be made low and every valley will be raised up and that's what they used to do you know when a king was coming to a city they would make sure that the the chariots that were coming in that they had a smooth ride in, that any obstacle that was too high was flattened and everything divot that, that was bad was raised up and they prepared the way for the Lord or they prepared the way for the king. And John the Baptist said, I'm preparing a way for the Lord. And he did. And, and you know, the mountains in people's hearts, the pride, the mountains of pride need to be humbled. And the, the valleys of low self-esteem, like I am not worthy to meet the king. It's like that needs to be raised up. And, you, you know, some people are too proud. Some people don't feel that they're good enough. Listen, everybody is invited to believe in Jesus so that when he comes, he sees you as one of his own. And, you know, a subject of the king, a servant of the king, even better than that a son and daughter of the king. And we have this mentality on the inside. And, you know, for you guys in global, you new guys in global, this might even be new to you, but we're here as sons and daughters of the king, the king of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. And one of them says in Revelation 
you know, one of the disciples, John, uh, who wrote John's gospel and, and the letters of John, he also wrote Revelation. And Revelation is, is a series of revelations of, of what's, what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And it gives you a spiritual insight into what's going on in the governments of this world and what will happen to the governments of this world. And if you've ever heard uh, Handel's Messiah and where the middle class people all let their hair down and shake the jewelry, you know, the hallelujah chorus, hallelujah, hallelujah. They really nice to have a good time. Anyway, they, um, you know, Handel's Messiah was all about celebrating the dissolution of all the governments on earth as Jesus comes and sets up his government which is full of justice and righteousness and peace and joy. And so it's like, yeah, we can't wait for this because there's so much injustice. There's so much shenanigans going on. There isn't righteousness, people living right in government all the time. And, and so I, I'm not having to go at anybody, you, but we know that there is something wrong with with what goes on in the world and how we how we operate but you know we don't trust so often our leaders and when Jesus comes back titles are trustworthy and true and you can trust Jesus and he will come back and he will rule from Jerusalem and he'll rule the whole earth and believers will rule with him and we'll get eternal bodies Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years on planet Earth, and most people don't even know it. And some people have tried to attempt it in their own strength and become that kind of leader. The thousand year right, it didn't work. Why? Because you haven't got the right person in the right place. It was Jesus. He's trustworthy and true. So we're preparing a way. Every church in, in the world should be preparing the way for, for the king to come back and for, for him to find subjects on earth, sons and daughters that said, my allegiance is to you, Jesus, first and foremost. And that's what we want to do. We're up front about it all with no, with no need not to be, because it's good. It's good for you. It's good for mankind. Listen what it says in Revelation chapter 5. And they sang a new song. This is people that were in heaven. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus, the lamb that was slain and he paid the price by his blood. He paid the price for our lives. He bought us back. Adam sold us into the pawn shop. Way back in Genesis, Jesus comes and buys us back. He says, you belong to me. You were born for better than what you've got. And another, another reading from Revelation is this one. Revelation chapter 7. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And you know, in a tough world that goes, what's wrong with, oh, palm branches and, and, and girly, girly clothes? No, no, no. 
white robes, people whose lives have been made pure, but whose previous lives were damaged and, and soiled and dirtied by sin and wrong choices and awful choices. Some of those people in white robes will have been the nastiest people on earth, but because they believed in Jesus Christ, he forgave them and restored them. And it's an amazing story. And the past counts for nothing. They've just trusted in the goodness of God and his goodness has purified them. They were there in white robes. There'll be middle-class people there that never smoked a cigarette, never ever got drunk or took a drug, but understood that they weren't good enough to get to heaven, that even their motives were sinful and needed forgiving, forgiving and purifying by Jesus. And they'll be stood there in white robes. Purity, I'll be there. You can count, I will be there. I'm not one of these shrinking rats. I don't think I'm good enough. No, I'm not good enough. Nobody's good enough. But Jesus has made us right with God. And we get given a robe of righteousness. White robes and palm branches. In other words, people of peace. Purity and peace. And heaven's going to be such a great place. You know, some people have said to me, I think it'll be boring in heaven when everybody loves everybody. Think about what you're saying before you say it. It's fantastic, is love. It's the most creative force in the universe. What do you mean it's going to be boring? It's going to be amazing. And our purpose will be to serve God. But we, this time we can see him. We will be with him. And I don't know what he's got lined up. But I do know, you know, there's many, many planets out there. And who knows, we might be creating stuff on new planets. He might ask me to run a planet. <laughs> or he might say, you've been on another planet for a long time, Dave, stay with me. <laughs> so, let me get into today's talk. With all that background stuff, Jesus is coming back, and it's soon. And God is shaking what can be shaken. And, um, you know, it's time he does that out of his goodness, so that we stop putting our trust in the wrong things, and we start to trust him, the one that's trustworthy and true. You can't trust your job or your career or your business. Even, even your partner in life. You know, we have to exercise trust in all these things. But ultimately, we have to trust God. That he, he's the one that's got us. And the psalmist said, under, under me are the everlasting hands. You know, that God has got me in his hand. So, in all the things that we, we talk about and preach about, in global, whether it's helping you to get a good team together, you know, we're talking about that in weeks previous. Um, the people that you meet out handle the 12 different types of people, um, you know, the, the gospel stories of, you know, how God can change us on the inside. But what's the purpose of it all? What is the purpose of it all? Personal development or your personal leadership, your, your growth as a family, you know, what is the ultimate purpose? And the ultimate purpose is to make us more effective in our role in advancing the kingdom of God around the world, the growth of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's where the king rules. It's where Jesus rules in people's lives and therefore in their situations. Jesus prayed, didn't he, in the Lord's Prayer, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's why we want to spread peace. We want to spread goodness. We want to spread righteousness. And that's a tough one because when you say this is right, this is the right thing to do and other people disagree with you, what we're basing our righteousness on is the Bible, not just you know fads that come and go. They're eternal truths. They're absolute truths. God has got a plan for the people of the world. He's got a plan for every single human being. And he loves every one of us. And some of us have had bad starts in life. And we think, well, if there is a God and he does love me, why did I start here? Why did I start with this body? Why did I start? Why, why, why? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this. When you give your life to Jesus, he will transform it. It will be bigger and better than what you could ever imagine. And I've seen so many people's lives transformed that come from terrible backgrounds. So I'm just saying and weren't given the best bodies in the world. Uh, like I say, human life comes from, through your parents, but eternal life comes from God, and he infuses your life with his, and he can transform you. So don't give up hope. Keep believing there is a better future for you. But we're here for his purposes, and that's what I want to get across to us today. We're here for his purposes. Jesus Christ will return, but he's returning for a people. And he wants people to follow him. He's looking to, to promote people. He's looking to, to have people in his new government, in his new world order. And it can all sound a bit, what is it, 1984 or whatever, whatever year it was when the book was written. But no, this is true. This is amazing. And it's, it's startling, it's frightening, it's exciting, it's, a, it's up and above and beyond what we can imagine, and yet it's real. And so I'm speaking it out as Jesus did, and I'm saying get ready, because he's coming back, and he's coming to rule, and he's coming to reign. We're here for God. The great principle, number one, is that God is the centre of all things. He is. Colossians 1.16 says... All things were created by him and for him. And, you know, as much as we love creation and trees and mountains and streams and rivers and seas and animals and plants and insects, they were created for him. He said, what a selfish God. No, he's not a selfish God. But he's a God who knows what's the best for everybody. And when we get on his page... It takes a while for these pennies to drop, but when you get on this page, life works for you. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. And it's just making the point that, that God, even though he took it, he led his son through troubled times in order to, to, to perfect him and strengthen him, it says it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, you know, had to work some things on his son to, to make him strong in this world and in this life. Principle two, God desires for all the people in the world to know him through Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's only vicar. Did you know that? <laughs> vicar from the word vicarious. You know, you know, vicar should work on behalf of the people and on behalf of God. And, and Jesus is really God's only vicar. He represents us to God and he represents God to us. He is perfect. So God desires all the people in the world to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. 
The Old Testament shows us God's plan for the world. And that is that God chose a man, Abraham, and then through this man whose wife was barren, and so it was impossible for him to have children. God worked the impossible and he did have children. You know, God chose, chose people that weren't up for the job in one sense, weren't fit for purpose. God chose them and made them fit for purpose. You've got to read these stories in the Bible because they're so encouraging for us. And so God chose the lowly things of this world, the nobodies of this world to confound the wise, where the wise will look and just say, who are they? How can they do what they're doing? You know, from their background or whatever. And Abraham and Sarah became a family. And from that family, God created a tribe. And that tribe ended up in Egypt. And for 450 years, they were in Egypt in good times and then bad times at the end. And then 72 went into Egypt in that tribe. And over 2 million came out 450 years later. And they came out, the Bible says, with God's favour on their life. He led them out with favour on their life. And they came out with the biggest movement of a nation's GDP. They got the gold and the silver and everything. They've been treated like slaves and God had a brilliant plan. He said, just borrow off all your neighbours. They borrowed off all these people who have benefited from their hard labour and they hadn't been paid the wages and their life had been nasty and, and, and God says, I'll reward you. And he said, just go and borrow some of this stuff. And he borrowed, they borrowed the stuff. They went through the Red Sea you know, on dry ground because God opened up the Red Sea. And when the Egyptians came after him because they realised they've got all our money, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, which simply means a king, the king wasn't happy. He comes through to try and, and get that money back and God closed up the Red Sea. So technically it's not stealing. They just borrowed it but couldn't give it back because they couldn't get back. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> it's a great story. But God led them out with his favour on their lives. So from that nation... God wanted them to reach the nations. They became known as the Jewish nation. And they were God's chosen people. And it was from them that the gospel was meant to go out. But more importantly than that, it was through them that the Messiah would come, the saviour of the world. So let's have a look at this. God has a plan for the whole world. So illustrations from the Old Testament are Genesis chapter 12. God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we are blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And Abraham represents the Jewish nation. So whoever blesses the Jewish nation will be blessed. Whoever curses the Jewish nation will be cursed. That still stands today. Because they're still God's chosen people. He still has a plan for Israel. And it says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You know, the church receives that same blessing that was on Abraham. It comes to us by faith. And God says to us as global church, as, you know, different churches we know, God says, I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. And whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses, you'll be cursed. But all the earth will be blessed through you. And that's why it's here. You know, the mission, we're making disciples, planting churches, reaching cities. We're blessed to be a blessing, to take the gospel out that will bless people's lives, bless resource 
you know, God's favour will come up. You know, we don't call it lady luck anymore. It's, it's, it's God's blessing. God is with us. Great things happen to us. Good things happen to us. Yes, there's bad stuff as well that we have to deal with. But you know what? We focus on the good and we keep going because God is with us. But get the flavour. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 16 says, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. There is only one God. That's not an arrogant statement, but you've got to do your own work. There is only one God, the God of our Lord and, and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Years ago, if we had to say there's only one God, everybody would understand. But we live in multiracial times. You know, in the past, it was, we've always had multiracial, but everybody stayed in their own countries. But now we're mixing all over the world. And that's a brilliant thing. And because we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, really. That's why wars are so stupid, because it's like we're brothers and sisters in many ways. You know, it's like, think about it. But now we have to name the God, because there are lots of religions. None of them tie up with each other. So it's like, so who's right? And that's a good question. What's truth? Who's, who's right? Who's wrong? Who's, who's got the truth? Who hasn't got the truth? Pontius Pilate and Jesus stood right in front of him and he said, what is truth? And Jesus is truth incarnate. Truth, just there's man full of truth. He is the truth. The one truth that you can trust. That's never going to change. The same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ. But anyway, it's about, you, you, you know, I want you to see that God is the God of the whole world. He has a plan for the whole world. Psalm 67 says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God wants all men to be saved. He doesn't want, it's not his will that any perish and end up going to hell. It, that's not his will. And Peter wrote that in his letter. It is not God's will that any perish, but that all come to a saving faith in Jesus. What about you today? Do you know Jesus? Have you known his forgiveness? Do you know that all your sins are forgiven and cleansed? And that you're, you've been given the free gift of, of righteousness and heaven. And now you can, you can live forever. Because if you haven't, you, you, you're not on the right road. And we're, we're here today to help you. There's only two roads to be on. Jesus said there's two roads. He said there's a broad road that leads to destruction. And many are there that walk on it. And he says, but within that that, that broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that goes in the opposite direction and it leads to eternal life. And he says, few are there that walk upon it. Are you going to be one of the few? And I want to encourage the church here today. And when you say, well, you, you know, compared to the all of Britain, there's not many of us. And you're like, I know. But God's never been impressed with numbers. You know, with Abraham, when Sodom and Gomorrah were about to be judged by God, Abraham went and he said, if there's 45 people, if there's 50 people that are righteous, will you, will you cancel the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, yeah. Well, what about 40? What about 35? You were like somebody, you, you, you know, you're kind of cottony going, I'm not asking one pound's 50. I'm not asking even a pound. Give us 50p and you can take all these goods away. And, and, and Abraham's trying to like barter God down and he got to 10. And he said, God, if you find 10 righteous men in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you, will you cancel the judgment? God said, yes, I will. And that was it. And do you know what? In those two cities, God couldn't find 10 people, but he found Lot and his wife 
and his family and he brought them out and he saved them and he judged that area. And, you know, when the ark was built, it says the inclinations of men's hearts were evil all the time, constantly. And, and violence and uh, immorality were all over the land. And when Noah built the ark, everybody was invited and warned about the fact that there's a judgment coming from God. And, you know, the, the, the way to avoid it, because God loves you, the way to avoid it is get in the ark because there's a flood coming. And they're going, forget it, mate. You know, you're fairy tales, you're in fairyland. And you know something? It says in Genesis that there was a population explosion at that time. So there were gazillions of people on the earth. And people got invited to find God's salvation by entering the ark. And they ignored it. They got on with their lives, doing business, you know, partying, whatever they were getting, all the shenanigans. They were just getting on with life. They had no room, no time for God. And only eight people out of the whole world entered the ark. We've always been in the minority. And I believe the new thing that God wants to do with us as a church is to say, don't worry about mega church and big church. That's what you'll become. But concentrate on small groups. You know, that's how we will grow through small groups. In other words, it's a bit like in the past where we've, we've said to people who want to get rich, take care of the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves. Take care of the dinner parties and the big church will take care of itself. It will happen automatically. But we've got to look at how we build. And let's stop going for the kind of gooey feeling or whatever on Sunday. And let's build into people's lives. Let's let our language not just be hyperbole all the time and hype. Let, you know, let's, let's start to speak more measured into people's lives. And let them see that God is with us by the things that we do, how we live by our morality even. I say that because we never say that too much in global, but you know, changed lives are the sign that God's with you and God does change us. And it's a fantastic thing. It's a wonder to be old. God has got a plan for the whole world and he blesses the world through his gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. And when people get to know Jesus, they get to know life and life in all its fullness. And I wish I had a pound for everybody that said to me, Dave, why did I hear about this before? This is brilliant. When they get the revelation, the light bulb moment, that, you know, there is a God and Jesus is real. And then the experience is love and his forgiveness. It is powerful. And families get restored to each other. It's just I can't speak highly enough of it. I've experienced it for donkey's years. So that's the Old Testament. God said, I will bless you. The whole world will be blessed through you. God has a plan to reach the world. Number two is the New Testament illustrations. Luke chapter two, it says this. Luke was a doctor and he wrote Luke's gospel. And he's the only Gentile to write in the Bible. Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. He wrote about Jesus and he wrote about his birth like this, Luke chapter two. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, not just joy, but great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, 
a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. For all people, not just Jews, for all people. Matthew 28, Jesus said this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And then another one is Romans chapter 16. And Paul came out with a great, a great quote. He said, so that all nations might believe and obey him. And that's part of believing. You know, we don't often talk a lot about obedience to God because it can sound like the old school of like, you've no life, you just, you just like have a religious life where you serve God and it's small and it's shrunken down. But you know, it says in Isaiah that those who obey God and are willing that they will eat the finest of the land. And obedience to God is good things for us. And, and sometimes to be up to obey God goes against the flesh, the natural, because the flesh just wants to do its own thing. But God's ways are right and we have to follow his ways. And it's tough sometimes. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need the scriptures to know what's right, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to give us the oomph or the va va to live God's way. And you know, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. That's, the, that's what one of the big differences, because the same power that the founder of our faith had to live life and a godly life here on earth, Jesus Christ, the same power that he had to overcome temptation and sin and wrong thinking and wrong actions is available to every believer. It says about Jesus, he had the Holy Spirit without limit. And we too can have the Holy Spirit. In fact, we must have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And he is like a, he's like a magnet that lifts us up and lifts us on. Sin is like a magnet that drags us down and drags us back. And we have to choose every day which magnet we're going to switch on in our life. It's a great little picture. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, another scripture that says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. He, that is Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And you know, that's John, a Christian, a believer that's writing. And he's saying, it's not just for us. Jesus' sacrifice is for the whole world. And I want you to get that, especially in global church. You know, we've got to get this gospel out to people. It's so good. It's for them because the gospel represents goodness from God. We want them to have it and not just us. You know, I said earlier that I'm so proud of you, but you know, let's do this. Let's get the gospel out, the message out in ways that they can understand in natural ways, not freaky, not weird, but natural ways. And, you know, let us become obedient as well to, to the gospel, not just believing, but obedient. And let's go his way, not our own way even, not the ways of this world, but let's go his way. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 